Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And so Judah has asked for an agreement. What are we going to do with Joseph in verse 27? As if there was a request for an agreement of what to do with Joseph. See, in verse 20, you see the Let us slay him, verse 20. Now, in verse 27, it is, let us sell him. And so we read about these brothers going from the slay him to the sell him, and they're selling Joseph. It just sends chills up our spines because we remember the words of another Judah, whose name was pronounced Judas, Judas Iscariot. And he went to the chief priests in Matthew 26, 14, Matthew 26, 14, and then and it's re, uh, recounted for us where it says, Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went unto the chief priests and said unto them, What will you give me? And I will deliver him unto you. And they covenanted with him for 30 pieces of silver. And from that time, he sought opportunity to betray him. See, Judas, Judas here, he's fast. He's quick to make a deal. Judas Iscariot, he's make a deal. You know, and what will you give me? And then once he's got the agreement in, then you he looks for the opportunity to betray the Lord. And it was all this scene here with Judas Iscariot was all over, what will you give me? And it's important that all along the way in this journey that, that they were taking to sell Joseph, that at any time, any of them could have decided, I'm not in, this is not right, abort this plan, this is sinful, I want to repent of this. But you know, it's interesting because as they moved along this path here, they were continually making decisions to go full steam ahead with the selling and the cover-up scheme. You know, it's just like it says in, in Proverbs 28, 13. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. That's Proverbs 28, 13. So what were the brothers really interested in when they agreed to sell Joseph? Well, their interest really never changed. I mean, if, if they killed Joseph, then that would mean that Joseph could never rule over them, that they would never have to bow down to Joseph as Joseph's dreams had indicated. And if they sold Joseph to a caravan that was going to take him down to a, as a slave to Egypt, then that also mean that Joseph would never rule over them. They'd never have to bow down to Joseph like those dreams said. But what they didn't realize was that by sending Joseph into Egypt, they were propelling Joseph to be their Lord. In the interest of the chief priests in the Lord's day was to see him die in crucifixion because they were thinking, well, if he dies, then, then he could never be our Lord because they heard him say in John 12, 31, John 12, 31, now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And I, if I be lifted up, 
will draw all men unto me, and that's the word drag. If I be lifted up, I'll drag all the unwilling men to me. This, he said, signifying what death he should die. When he said, if I am lifted up from the earth to die, that I'm going to drag all men to me. And then he said, and they remember when he said in John 5, 22, for the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. And they heard him say, John 5, 27, John 5, 27, and the Father had given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. So the chief priests figured that if he died, he couldn't be their judge. And by seeing that he died, what happened? They only propelled his exaltation, just like what happened to Joseph, because it was in the Lord's case that it was following his death at Philippians 2.8. After he was, Philippians 2.8, found in fashion as a man, humbled himself, became obedient to death, even the death of the cross, wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth, every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, it was the cross. It was his death on the cross that propelled him to be exalted where every knee is going to bow to him and every tongue is going to confess that he's God. All right, now, when Judas says, we're going to sell him to the Ishmaelites, that was really cruel. Because the Ishmaelites, they were descendants of Abraham. Ishmael was replaced by Isaac. So they always kind of felt... I mean, they were like, you can imagine them as sort of seeking a revenge for that unfair replacement because Ishmael was the firstborn and why did Isaac? So here, here's the Ishmaelites and they've got the opportunity uh, to take a slave, the great-grandson of Abraham nonetheless, the great-grandson of the one who rejected Ishmael to choose Isaac to be a successor. So this is the first view in the scriptures of the Ishmaelites as traitors or merchantmen. And it's in keeping with the view that outwardly, the Ishmaelites, they rose up to become great in trade, but inwardly, the Ishmaelites fell down morally. Not to say that, the, that Israel was, <laughs> anyway. But it's so hard. It's just so hard to understand how Judah can be so callous here as to call Joseph his brother and his flesh, and then they're going to kill him, and then they're going to sell him. I mean, is that what you do to your brother? <laughs> you know, your, your own flesh, you sell him to these heartless Ishmaelites? I mean, when Judah admitted that Joseph is our brother in our flesh, it's like Cain admitting that Abel was his brother after he killed him. When he said in Genesis 4-9, Genesis 4-9, the Lord said unto Cain, where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? Well, Cain was not his brother's keeper. He was his brother's destroyer. And Joseph's brothers were not Joseph's keeper. They were Joseph's destroyer. So as we see Judah here called Joseph his brother in flesh, he's just proposing to sell him. And the brothers are really a picture of what it says in Romans 131. Romans 131. They are without natural affection, unmerciful. Without natural affection, unmerciful. Okay. So at the end of verse 28, Judah's got the agreement. It says... The end of verse 28, it says, his brethren were content. It's interesting here. This is very interesting because this gives us a little bit of insight into a very important Hebrew word. The word for content here, when it says the brothers were content, is the word shema, which means to hear. 
That's the famous Shema in Deuteronomy 6.4. Deuteronomy 6.4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. So that first word in that Deuteronomy 6.4 is the word Shema here, Shema. And we read here in Genesis 37, verse 27, Shema. It means the brothers were Shema. They were hearing. They were in agreement. So it shows us something very important about the word Shema, or it means to hear, because it doesn't just mean to listen and to understand of what's being said. It really means to agree, to enter into. And that's what we see here, to listen to and agree. So that's what we see here at the end of verse 27 is that the brothers heard and they agreed with Judah's proposal. Now, we get the feeling here how everything is happening just very quickly, one event after the other, when we get to verse 28, when it says, Then there passed by Midianite merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver, and they brought Joseph into Egypt. So we can imagine, you know, how they called out to these merchantmen, these Ishmaelites. You know, they're, they're passing. Hey, wait a minute, man. Hold it. We have something you think you'll be interested in. <laughs> you know, imagine the shock on the faces of these merchant men as they stop and they see, you know, hold on, you know. And Joseph's brothers, then they, they take the rock, cover the stone off of the pit, and they draw out this man <laughs> from the pit. I mean, it's like, a, you know, the, 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 it's the brothers. It's not the merchant men who drew him out. It's the brothers who drew Joseph out. Now, that picture, that's quite a, there's a lot of, very shocking pictures and scenes in this chapter. And that's another one. You know, that frees that shot. You know, that picture of, of Joseph being lifted out of the pit where there's no water. Now, now, of course, you can't look at a picture like that without thinking of ourselves in Psalm 40, verse 2, where it speaks about how God, he brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and establish my goings. And when we're saved from our sins, God lifts us out of a horrible pit. And there's no water in it. It refers to lifting us up because he, well, how did, why did he lift us up? Well, we just celebrated that in breaking of bread. It's because of the covenant of blood. God calls it an agreement, a blood agreement. And he says that in Zechariah 9.11, Zechariah 9.11, where it says, as for thee also, by the blood of thy covenant, by the blood of thy covenant, I have sent forth thy prisoners out of the pit wherein is no water. Picture. It's, again, it's going back to this picture of Joseph there in the pit with no water, and God saying, that's what you are like. And I drew you out of the pit wherein is no water by the blood of the covenant, by the blood of the covenant. Of course, that's the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that enabled the, that why God drew us out. And... Uh, his blood, he said, he's, he called that in Zechariah 9.11, the blood of thy covenant, the blood of the covenant that you have between me and you, God speaking. And the Lord Jesus said here, when he, the last night before he was betrayed, he held up the cup and said, this is the blood of the new covenant. It's the blood of the new testament. That's what covenant means, testament. You know, in, in Luke 22.20, Luke 22.20, likewise also the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new testament in my blood, which is shed for you. The new covenant in my blood is the reason we've been lifted up out of the pit in Zechariah 9.11 by the blood of thy covenant 
I have sent forth thy prisoners out of the pit wherein is no water. Okay, these brothers here, they're treating Joseph like he's some kind of a pet, and they're lifting him out of the cage to sell him. You can imagine the shock of these, these merchantmen say, what is this? What's going on? He says, and they're going, hey, wait, no, wait a second. We got something valuable for you here. And you just think about the money you can make here. So the merchantmen stop and, and they watch in amazement as the brothers lift him out of the ground there. And there's Joseph. What's Joseph look like now? <laughs> He's probably naked because they took his coat away or half naked, nearly naked. As he's standing there, he's crying, he's trembling for fear. And they turn him around and show off his body. Look, pretty good shape. And then they say the same thing that Judas Iscariot said in, in Matthew twenty six fifteen. What will you give me? What will you give me? And I will deliver him unto you. And so they show off his body and they said, look, it's a really good body here. You know, he's also very creative. He dreams. <laughs> he dreams, you know. He, you're a good slave. It's your lucky day. You can make money on him. Don't miss the chance to get this slave. So the negotiation starts. Now, the price of a young slave is given for us in Leviticus 27.5. Leviticus 27.5. And if it be, speaking of slave, if it be from five years old, even unto 20 years old, even thy estimation shall be of the male 20 shekels. And then the price of a slave that's older than 20, that's given for us in Exodus 21.32, Exodus 21.32. If the ox shall push a manservant, you know, that he kills him, he shall give unto their master 30 shekels of silver. So they negotiate with the merchantman for Joseph, arguing, saying, look, look, we sell him to you for the price of a 5 to 20-year-old. If there's a discounted price, you know, of 20 shekels, you carry him down to Egypt, you sell them off down there for a full price of 30 shekels, you make an easy 10 shekels on the deal. Yeah. So by selling Joseph for 20 shekels, enabled these merchantmen to make money. Of course, and, and they also helped to relieve their conscience of accusing anybody of accusing him. Oh, you sold Joseph to make a profit? No, no, we gave him to just... After all, it was very generous of the brothers to let them have, to make some money on this. But really, they just wanted to get rid of him. They just wanted to get rid of Joseph, and they figure that Joseph is going to be lost forever among the many slaves that are far away down there in Egypt. But, and the last part of verse 29 means that they were successful. Well, I mean, 28. In verse 28, when it says, and they brought Joseph into Egypt. They brought Joseph into Egypt. What a statement for the brothers. They brought Joseph into Egypt. I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine as they're sitting there eating and they're watching Joseph, naked or nearly naked, disappear into the horizon and realize that they're, they're going to bring him down to Egypt. We can imagine how they must have congratulated each other for their cleverness and looking around saying, wow, look on the ground, look at your clothes, look at your hands. Not one drop of Joseph's blood anywhere. We got rid of Joseph. And we can just matter, imagine how those Ishmaelites, you know, how they said, we just got, you know what we just did? We just got some Ishmaelite foreigners to do all the dirty work for us of carrying Joseph far away to a place we're never going to see him again. And really, they just had one problem. And that problem was God was watching. God was watching. And God was going to exalt Joseph in Egypt and make those same brothers to come down to Egypt and bow down to Joseph. Now, we can imagine a similar scene when the tomb of the Lord Jesus was sealed I mean, there was also a successfully devised plan to get foreigners 
Yet those Roman foreigners to do all the dirty work, getting rid of the Lord Jesus by crucifixion. And there was also a successful execution of the plan with the cries of crucify him, crucify him. And there was also the success in making sure they'd never see him again when they went to Pilate and, and were successful in getting their request, as it says in Matthew 27, 62, 27, 62, Matthew 27, 62. Now the next day that followed the day of the preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees came together unto Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember that that deceiver said while he was yet alive, after three days I will rise again. Command, therefore, that the sepulcher be made sure until the third day, lest the disciples come by night and steal him away and say unto the people, he's risen from the dead, so the last year will be worse than the first. Pilate said unto them, you have a watch. Go your way, make it as sure as you can. So they went and made the sepulchre sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. And again, again, it's a replay of history. We can see the chief priests and the Pharisees say, oh boy, we had successfully done all this. And they silenced the voice of their consciences like the brothers did. And so again, you know, well, took care of that Jesus problem. Now we can go home and have a good celebration meal. Same way that Joseph's brothers, you know, we can see the chief priests and the Pharisees saying that. And we can imagine how, again, they congratulated themselves, saying, you know, looking around, saying, wow, just look at what we just accomplished. Not one drop of Jesus' blood in our hands or on our clothes. We got rid of Jesus. We got these foreigners, these Roman foreigners who do all the dirty work, carry him far away into death, guarded to him. We're never going to see him again. We are really smart. And really, they were smart, except they just had one problem. God was watching. God was watching. And God was going to exalt the Lord Jesus through the resurrection to sit on the right hand of God the Father as the judge, and those same priests and Pharisees stand before him as their judge, bow the knee, confess as it says in Romans 14.11, Romans 14.11, for as it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, every tongue shall confess to God. Philippians 2.11, Philippians 2.11, we already quoted that. Every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God. Now, we learn that after the brothers had successfully gotten rid of Joseph and they left the scene of the crime, in verse 29, Reuben returned under the pit. And behold, Joseph was not in the pit, and he ran his clothes. So evidently what happened here was that Ju- Ju- Reuben, Reuben now, he had left the group before they sold Joseph. And he didn't know that Joseph had been sold. So now Reuben doubles back and comes back to the pit to try to free Joseph. So in other words, he pretended to leave and go far away, but then he circles back after they, after they had gone to free Joseph. Now, why did he want to free Joseph? Because Reuben is the firstborn, and he's the oldest, and, and Jacob would hold Reuben responsible for whatever happened. And so Reuben was accountable. So this is a good side of Reuben. This is a good side of Reuben. This is a problem with Reuben. He's got two sides. Well, we've already seen the bad side of Reuben. You know, he, he rapes Bilhah, one of his father's wives. That's a bad side. But the problem with Reuben is that Reuben is not stable. He's unstable. That's what his father said about him in Genesis 49.4, Genesis 49.4, that he was unstable as water. He told him, thou shalt not excel because thou wentest up to thy father's bed. Then defilest thou it. He went up to my couch. See, Reuben was just not stable. And the instability of Reuben is, is like the instability of 
Ephraim's goodness that God said in Hosea 6.4, Hosea 6.4, O Ephraim, what shall I do unto thee? O Judah, what shall I do unto thee? For your goodness is as the morning cloud, and as the early dew, it goeth away. See, God said to you about Ephraim and Judah, he says, you're like the marine layer in San Diego. <laughs> you know, I mean, you're present in the morning, and then you're burned off in the afternoon. Or like the early morning dew, you know, covers the plants. You're there, and then the sun comes up, you evaporate away. That's your goodness. Judah, Reuben, unstable as water. So th- this was a goodness part side of the unstable Reuben in verse 29 when he returns to the pit. And then there's a lot of drama here in verse 29. Uh, behold, Joseph's not in the pit. You know, this behold, you can just see the whole thing happening here. Reuben approaching the pit says, okay, great. Coast is clear. You know, now I'm going to free Joseph. This is great. He strains to lift the stone cover up. He goes, Joseph, Joseph, it's me, Reuben. Come up. Come to the opening here. I'll get you out. Silence. You know, and then he sticks his head in there, and there's, there's no Joseph. Joseph's gone. So this feeling of complete anguish in his soul, and it causes him to rent his clothes. Rent his clothes because of the heart pain. By the way, this is the first time in Scripture that the renting of clothes is reported as an expression of sadness and anguish. And it's like, the renting of clothes is like, oh no, this is terrible. And so this scene reminds us so much of others who looked into the tomb in John 20, verse 1. John 20, verse 1. First day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early when it was yet dark into the sepulcher. See if the stone roll taken away from the sepulcher. Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter, to the other disciple, whom Jesus loved, and saith to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher. We know not where they have laid him. Peter, therefore, went forth. The other disciple came to the sepulcher. They ran both together. The other disciple did operate Peter and came to the sepulchre first. He, stooping down, looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet he went not in. See, that was the moment. That was the verse 29, chapter 37. Verse 29. That was the verse 29 moment of, behold, he's not here. He's not in the tomb. So verse 29, it says, Reuben returned to the pit. Verse 30, it says, Reuben returned to his brethren. It says, the child is not. Whither shall I go? Now, we see that he's tracked down the brothers, and he's still in this state of shock, and he calls Joseph the child. The child is not, yelled, the little boy, child. And then we see him turning from worrying about Joseph to worrying about himself. And I, whither shall I go? It shows he saw himself personally responsible for what happened to Joseph, and he feels, I can't go home. I can't go home. So it appears here that the brothers understood at this point that Reuben had tricked them and was intending to free Joseph, which means that they understood that Reuben was planning on selling them out. And now it appears that the brothers didn't tell Reuben that they had sold Joseph, so Reuben doesn't know really what happened here. Okay, so is that enough drama for today? (laughs) All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for what we can see so clearly in this chapter is your writing love of uh, where you said no man is able to pluck them out of my hand, even themselves, Lord, once you, once you, you set your love upon them. So thank you, Lord, that in their darkest moments that we see you not casting them away. Lord, we, we worship you for that. And we thank you too, Lord, that you were watching in everything that happened here and help us to live our lives with the knowledge that you're watching. In Jesus' name, amen.
another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Sunday Night Church is back. Join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. Watch Tom Cantor and the service on YouTube Live, located on the Friendship with God website. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere. Sunday Night Church is back, so join us at the Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum at 10946 Woodside Avenue North in Santee, California. For more information, call us at 800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org for the Friendship with God Fellowship.